At first glance in our gospel story today, it seems as though Jesus is telling us that we should be dishonest. And we end up pretty much confused through his entire parable. By the end, he wraps things up pretty clearly uh, by saying you cannot serve God and wealth. So we pretty much understand that. We don't exactly like it, but we get it. In the middle, though, the master of the house praises a dishonest manager for being dishonest. Does that make any sense to us? No. Except I think it kind of does. Years ago, I saw a reality show called Big Brother. It was great in its awfulness. It was one of those typical reality shows where it was this last man standing contest um, where people voted each other off the show. So, I mean, it was, you know, bringing out the absolute worst in people and we loved watching. It was total trash. Um, So these people would live in this house. They would form alliances with one another and they tried being friends with one another and be nice to each other and they really wanted to be friends and blah, blah, blah until, of course, they actually had to vote each other off and stab each other in the back so that each one of them could win. And that was all except for this one guy, the guy who won. He never tried to be anyone's friend. He said from the very beginning, I'm here to win. And he would agree to an alliance and immediately break it. He would manipulate people, lie to people. He'd act like their friend and then immediately vote them off the show. And there was no one whom this guy had not betrayed and made angry during the entirety of the show. And it finally came down to the two people who were left. And the way you won was that everyone who had already been voted off the show got to vote for who won. And so you have this, the guy who won, and then you have this young woman who had been really, really nice to everybody throughout the entire show and she had made friends and it was all lovely and now they were making their pleas to everybody who had been kicked off basically saying vote for me to win and the young woman who had lost was apologetic that they had been kicked off and I love you so much and blah 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 and vomit who cared and she was so nice it was terrible Um, the guy who won on the other hand he said guys the whole time I was trying to win Of course I stabbed you all in the back. Of course I lied and manipulated and made and broke alliances. I told you that from the beginning. Everyone else, there was a danger to him. He was a danger to everyone else. He wasn't there to make friends. And really, they realized, geez, neither was I. I wanted to win too. That was stupid of me. They all realized that this guy, who was a total jerk, was the only one who had actually been honest to him throughout the entire process. He was shrewd in his dealings with him, with them, and they all voted for him to win. The master in the story that Jesus told was kind of like the audience and the other members of that show who realized, you played this game great, well done. And to his manager thinking, you've actually done kind of well here. You've swindled me a bit, no more so than before. But you actually managed something. You actually did well this time. You're pretty good if a gun's to your head. I just might keep you on. We actually completely get, we totally understand rooting for this guy in the show 
who was shrewd in his dealings with all the other people he stabbed in the back. And we actually totally get rooting for this dishonest manager and his shrewd dealings with, the, with his master and these other people. I mean, who didn't root for the Vito Corleone in The Godfather? Who didn't root for Michael Corleone? In the, he was a bad guy. We all rooted for him. If the manager's life in this parable, if the manager's life was a movie... We would all be rooting for him if we had the right script and a really good director. We're just somehow not comfortable hearing Jesus tell this story. If Scorsese wrote and directed it, we'd be fine. Jesus writing and directing it, we're kind of weirded out. Here's the thing. The context of this story is Jesus being shrewd in his dealings with sinners. He ate with sinners. He didn't threaten them. He didn't shun them. He didn't assume that they didn't have enough money to be worth his time. He ate with them and he loved them. And it was genuine love. It's not as though these were his new, I'm going to fix you project people. They were people whom he loved. Now, the manager in the story that Jesus told didn't care one whit about the people and yet he still figured out how to do well by him, well by them, so he could create some decent community, kingdom of God kind of community even. He was going to be relying on their generosity just as they had been grateful for his generosity. It was quid pro quo, sure, but there was going to be some getting to know each other. There was going to be some actual kingdom of God kind of living going on out of purely selfish desires. This guy ended up having some kingdom of God kind of living. The people of this age, Jesus said, are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. The scribes and the Pharisees, whom Jesus had been arguing with earlier, they didn't want to have to deal with these sinners. They didn't want to have to mess with that. They were the children of light and they couldn't figure out how to bring about the kingdom of God with these people. For the children of light, the disciples of Jesus who believe in the kingdom way and the light that Jesus is, if only they were as shrewd, Jesus was saying, to care for those around them. Remember, this is a polemic against the scribes and the Pharisees who didn't like that Jesus ate with sinners. There is grace. The scribes and the Pharisees would say there is grace, but only if you follow the religious rules and clean up your act before approaching God and pay for the temple. Jesus said there is grace here. Have some have some forgiveness, have some dignity back, have some humanity, have some love. Now let's work on this repentance. Now let's work on healing your life. So you can then share this same grace and forgiveness, dignity and humanity and love with those who need it. Jesus gave away grace rather than charging for it. Jesus forgave sins when they hadn't been paid for yet. Jesus broke the rules of grace. At least the rules which the scribes and the Pharisees thought that grace should have. Scribes and the Pharisees honored 
their religion. They loved their religion and they loved the symbols of their religion, but they honored the symbols and the rituals of their religion too much. They honored them because they were instruments of grace, as they should have. But then they turned the symbols into rituals, into idols. By honoring the symbols and the rituals rather than honoring God and God's kingdom and God's grace, which is what those symbols and rituals were meant to help them live out. I can't eat with a sinner. That's not following the rules of our rituals. The dishonest manager broke the rituals of money in order to bring about the best possible outcome for the most people. In the same way, Jesus broke the rules of his religion, the rules of God's grace, in order to bring about the most good and the most grace for the most people so that they could all live out God's kingdom. You cannot serve God and money, Jesus said. You cannot serve God and your rules about grace. You cannot serve God and hold on to grace as if it were your own personal possession to give out to those whom you deem worthy. Life in the Jesus movement gives grace extravagantly. Life in the Jesus movement also gives money and possessions extravagantly. He was also talking about money. He was talking about how people lived their lives and how they used what they had. The rules of our possessions say... Keep them, they're yours. The rules of our money say, you earned it, it's yours. Quid pro quo, this for that. Only give for what you're going to get in return. And be afraid about tomorrow. Never forget to be afraid about tomorrow. Say the rules of our money. Save up and store as much as you can because tomorrow you just might be relying on your possessions to live. Jesus' kingdom breaks the rules of money and the rules of possession. The rules of money in Jesus' kingdom say it's not yours, it's God's. Use it for the benefit of others, for the benefit of God's kingdom. Use it for the benefit of those who are in need, not those whom you deem worthy. The rules of possessions in Jesus' kingdom say do not rely on your wealth and possessions to take care of you. Rely on the people whom you have cared for and loved during their hard times to care for you and love you during your hard times. Now, politicians get this. Politicians understand, let's call it relational quid pro quo. I do you a favor, and you're going to do me a favor later. I'm going to make a whole bunch of friends, maybe through dishonest wealth as a politician, so that they might... Return the favors for me and be my friends later when I need some help. The children of this age are shrewd in their dealings with others. Would that the children of light be just as shrewd, caring for and relying on one another, so that when the tables are reversed, people will be able to depend on the kindness of others, the people to whom kindness has been shown. Security found in people using their stuff for others rather than security found in stuff. Give of your money and possessions extravagantly, Jesus was saying. Give grace extravagantly. 
As presiding Bishop Michael Curry said, that's life in the Jesus movement. A way of love that seeks the good and well-being of the other before the self's own unenlightened interest. A way of love that is not self-centered, but other-directed. A way of love grounded in compassion and goodness and justice and forgiveness. It is that way of love that is the way of Jesus and that way of love that can set us all free. Someone once said, when you look at Jesus, you see one who is loving, one who is liberating, and one who is life-giving. And that is what the way of Jesus is about. And that is the Jesus movement. A community of people committed to living the way of Jesus, loving, liberating, and life-giving, and committed to going into the world to help this world become one that is loving, liberating, and life-giving. Break the rules and be dishonest in how you give so that you can bring about the most grace and the most well-being for the most people. Rather than being protectors of God's grace and hoarders of God's possessions like the Pharisees and the scribes, we are the people of Jesus who extravagantly give God's grace and share our possessions with those who are in need of both. Amen. Hallelujah.